Hi everyone, welcome back to the Nefesh podcast. This is episode four. Um, If you've been listening from the start, welcome. If this is your first time with us, welcome as well. Excited to have you with us on this journey as we discuss everything as it relates to our soul, which really is everything in life. And as we journey with one another, sharing stories and and other uh, important things that that hopefully we can take the time to just sit and reflect upon and learn more and grow um, in our in our journey. And you know, I have been teaching for a long time. I've had the just the incredible privilege of being able to communicate with people from all backgrounds and walks of life and ages and. I started out as a junior high and then youth pastor, high school and college youth pastor. And I was a youth pastor for about 11 years. And I, I like to joke that if anybody can do, if you can do youth ministry, basically, you can do anything. Uh, but I've also had the privilege of, of working with kids and uh, one of my first few jobs was, was uh, you know, not just babysitting, but really I, I babysat a lot. I took care of a lot of kids, worked at a preschool and a daycare, and um, just have always enjoyed teaching and communicating ideas from youth on up. And uh, for the past almost 13 years, I've had the privilege of being able to teach in higher education uh, at the college level to people of all ages from uh, college age all the way up through older adults worked with many older adults on their doctor of ministry projects their dissertations and many of whom came from or come from uh, African American communities and have really I've I've learned so much from them, particularly as it relates to something that I want to share and talk about today. As I went back to school five years ago to get a, a master's degree in history, I've always loved history, and I decided to pursue a master's degree in it. I've shared a little bit about that experience. American history has been fascinating to me, although I didn't focus on that in my my degree. I focused on Middle Eastern and then European history, particularly Islamic history and then Jewish history. As uh, American history has always been fascinating to me, and I've I've learned I've I've learned a lot about it growing up, and I've I've studied it a lot on my on my own, and particularly the Civil War and and slavery. It, it's the, the tragedy and the drama of being drawn to such a painful and tragic past. And my mind is never really able to grapple with and fully understand the depth and the reality of slavery. All that you read about it, all that you hear about it, it is, it is true. It, you can't make up, you can't create a horror movie to the depth of the suffering that slavery has, has had on an entire segment 
uh, an entire population, an entire group of people. And although societies from the very beginning of time have practiced slavery, some form, and some forms of slavery were not as bad by the time we get to some of the Greco-Roman civilizations and cultures and even some of the, the slavery that we see in Roman society. Uh, um, and I, I kind of say not as bad, and I use air quotes, not as bad. All forms of slavery is bad. All forms of oppression are bad. And it is, it is never okay to oppress or enslave another human being. But there are varying degrees of it and some that we have seen through, through history um, has been lighter or not as extreme, not as abusive, not as horrific. But slavery, unfortunately, has, ex it has existed from, from the beginning of time. We see slavery as it existed in ancient societies, and we see slavery as it's depicted in um, the Hebrew and, and Jew uh, the, the Jewish and Christian Bible, as depicted in the book of Exodus, with the Israelites being enslaved. And it's powerful with this thought that African Americans who were enslaved in America in the 16th, 17, and 1800s, they, if they had an opportunity to hear about the story of Moses and the Exodus, they were drawn to it, they resonated with it, and it became part of their own narrative, that they would see themselves in, in this history, believing in the same God who delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt would eventually deliver them from slavery. And they found, they, they found, amazingly, they found peace. And they resonated with that, that story and other stories where, where God is delivering people or, or redeems the oppressed or saves those who are in deep distress and struggle. And it has always been so powerful to me, this thought. And I, I have heard, as I have taught again over the years in various situations, I have heard from, from some African Americans who have expressed that or communicated that the Christian religion is a, quote, white man's religion, unquote because and and is seen in a negative light because it was used Christianity was used to justify slavery at times and in in American history and parts of the Bible were used to justify the enslavement not just of people but of Africans and so there have been some people who have, uh, African-Americans, who have looked at Christianity and seen it as a slave religion. And this would also be true of Native Americans, First Nation people, who were removed from their land. 
when the United States, when America was first settled and were forced at times to dress differently, to learn English, to conform to a white way of doing things, a European way of doing things. And so they resented and they resisted anything that, that was related to the European, including the Christian religion. And so some African Americans, both then and now, look at the Christian religion as one of enslavement, and they want nothing to do with it. And I can understand that as, and I can understand why. If you are being oppressed by a particular group of people who are then calling themselves um, referring to themselves as of a particular religion and faith and using that religion to enforce their beliefs of slavery. It would, it would be very easy to, to throw off that religion and want nothing to do with it. It would be very easy to, to push that away and reject it. I think I am more amazed that more African Americans have not rejected the Christian religion. But in fact, Christianity is the prominent religion of African Americans today and was even in those times of slavery. When Africans were brought over, they were forced to give up their native religions, their indigenous religions, and forced to adopt Christianity. What I, I didn't know or, or hadn't realized fully until somebody recently made me aware of it, if I had known about it, I'd, I'd forgotten about it, but they referenced what is referred to as the slave Bible. And it was a Bible put together in 1807 in, um, in the Indies, the, East, the, the West Indies, in the Virgin Islands. And it was used to, uh, it was used as a way to continue to oppress slaves. And what it did was it took segments of the Bible out For example, it took the whole Exodus story out. If you look at this Bible, and I, I became so curious about it that I went ahead and purchased one, and it's heartbreaking when you look at, and it's, it's a photocopy of the original. Apparently there are, there are said to be three copies, original copies. And so this, this Bible photocopied the original copies, and you look at, at what was left out, and you look at what was left in, it is heartbreaking to see the lengths to which one person or group of people will go to oppress and keep under control another group of people. So for example, in this slave Bible, it left out the first 18 chapters of Exodus and the first 18 chapters of Exodus uh, of the book of Exodus are all about the Exodus, are all about 
In fact, the first couple chapters, it talks about how hard things were for the Israelites in their enslavement, that they begin to cry out. And in the second chapter, it's either the first or the second chapter, at the very end, it talks about the fact that the Israelites groaning and crying went up to the Lord, went up to God. He heard their groaning and their crying. And he was moved by it. And so he, he brought Moses, who was sent to the Israelites, raised in Pharaoh's household, trained in the, the deserts of, of, of Midian, and came back to redeem and release and free the slaves. Those chapters are not in the slave Bible. The book of Psalms is not in the slave Bible. The books that we would refer to as apocalyptic in nature or eschatological, meaning they refer to end times. And the book of Revelation is one, and there are others that are specifically centered around the end of, of days or the end of the world. And the end of time, the end of days, the apocalypse, the antichrist, uh, all of those things that you see in movies. I, I, I made, years ago I made students try to do some research to see how many movies, how many Hollywood movies they could find that had to do with, with eschatology in the, from the Christian Bible. And I think they were amazed and I was amazed to find out how many Hollywood movies are made just on that genre, how much, and other religions also have an end of time, end of days, um, end of the world type of belief. But it's interesting that the Christian theology and Christian uh, beliefs about the end of time is very prominent in Hollywood. If you, again, it won't take you long to find it if you look for it. But it, it's, and especially the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Christian Bible, it's the last book of the New Testament. It is, it was written while John, it's believed to have been written by John the Apostle, who was the youngest of the, the 12 disciples, and he was, he was marooned or he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and he receives this vision from God, and it's, and it's about what is going to happen. And it uses a lot of language to, to refer to Rome and um, to thought to be, um, you know, Rome, uh, Rome and Babylon and other kind of main characters who are on the scene at the time. And, and it was believed to have been written during a time of severe persecution. And so the purpose of it is to say, yes, the, uh, you're, you're struggling with persecution, you're struggling with, with um, with difficulty, but know that this will not last. There will be an ending. God will return, and he is going to obliterate the world, and he's going to rescue you. And we see that same thing in the Old Testament, which is the Old Testament comprises um, part of the Christian Bible and is the Hebrew, the Jewish Bible. And you see that in books like Daniel and Ezekiel, and, um, and parts of Psalms where 
it's and the the eschatological or apocalyptic writings came about during a time when when in the history of the Jewish people when they had been removed from their homeland in Jerusalem they had been sent into captivity into Babylon which is today Iraq modern Iraq they had been sent into captivity and their city and their temple had been wiped out and so they are crying they are desperate they are hopeless they are homeless and they are they're they're so overwrought that God has to tell them that they need to get on with their lives that there is going to be a hope that there is going to be a future that he is going to rescue them from the depths of their pain and so you begin to see writings um, like in the book of Daniel and the final few chapters of Daniel that talk about a return and a, and a person that is referred to as the anointed one and it's where we um, we get the term uh, Messiah Messiah um, uh, is the Hebrew word for anointed one and it's in Greek it's Christ where this person will come and he will redeem the people from their suffering and there will be an end times and there even though life is bad now and you are persecuted and you are overwhelmed and life seems all but over do not worry i will come and i will rescue you well it's so interesting that those that that message and those books are left out of the slave bible There is no hope for freedom. There is no hope for deliverance. There is no hope for an end of slavery. There is only the constant push and reminder to obey their masters and to continue doing what they are doing. Unfortunately, parts of scripture, parts of the Christian Bible were taken out of context and applied literally to keep slaves under their, under the, the master's thumb. Passages from New Testament books like the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians that Paul wrote to churches and in those two books, he writes in a, in a list of other commands, what are known as the household code of ethics. And at first glance, you might look at these and go, wow, these, these seem a little uh, draconian and um, they don't seem to match up with the message that Jesus taught. But some scholars argue that what Paul was trying to do there was not trying to throw over the social order, but trying to get Christians of that day to, to voluntarily submit and obey and show and be an example to their masters, to their spouses, to their parents, to their society. That at that moment, some scholars believe Christians in that day and, and, and the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians are, are, were written to these churches or group of churches in the first century 
um, uh, CE or a a AD. Um, lately, the term CE, Common Era, has become more more prominently used in higher education or AD, um, after death, Anno Domini, after death, um, in the first century. So about 40, 50, 60 years after Jesus's death, these letters were written to these churches. And it's believed that, that as Christians were, were grabbing, people were grabbing onto this new religion, Christianity, they were beginning to feel this freedom that, that the Christian faith seems to exhibit. And they began to throw over social norms. They uh, wives were leaving their husbands. Kids were not respecting their parents. If they were not, they were not Christian. Children would look at their parents if they weren't saved or they weren't Christian. Then they would they would not respect them. And wives would leave their uh, non-Christian husbands. And slaves would feel the freedom that that they now had as a Christian, and would abandon their masters. And Paul seems to be, again, according to some scholars, he seems to be, is very possibly trying to not create, not, not tell people to stay in the, in the system and, and stay in that system forever, not continue to merely repeat the human patterns, but there is a different way with which he is approaching them. He's telling them to in, in a voluntary way, to submit, to obey, to surrender, and to do it out of a reverence and a respect for Jesus. It's all with this understanding that as Jesus is now your, your master, your savior, though you could leave, though you could reject your family and your work and your master? What if you were to, to stay and serve and do it voluntarily? Some scholars have also suggested that, that the slavery that is being talked about in those two books and the slavery at that time period was not as bad, again, quote, not as bad, unquote, as we see later on and particularly in American slavery. It's possible, but the reality is it did exist and there were definitely some forms of slavery at that time that were harsh. What we know is that Paul, Paul, as we see through his letters and through his actions in the book of Acts, he really wasn't trying to upend any social order. That wasn't his focus. And so looking at those passages of scripture today, we can say, though Paul didn't, didn't attempt to tell them to throw off and, and do away with slavery, he also wasn't endorsing it, as we see in the book of Philemon, which, not coincidentally, is another book that is not in the slave Bible. The Soleil Bible carefully took out the short letter to a man named Philemon. Paul wrote a one-chapter, one-page letter to a man named Philemon, whose slave, Onesimus, ran away. 
and it's thought that Onesimus might might have stolen from his master or left and took things with him. It's not fully clear. We don't know the full background of it. But Paul writes this letter, and apparently Onesimus ran away to Paul. Paul writes this letter to, to Philemon, and Philemon is a Christian. He is somebody who is committed to following Jesus or following the way, as it was first referred to in the early days of Christianity. And Paul writes to Philemon, and he encourages, in fact, Paul is so slick. I mean, he is the master influencer. If you read that short letter, he starts out by really talking about Philemon's strengths and really, uh, we might use the term buttering him up, um, kind of soothing him over, making it a point to really highlight Philemon as a, you know, as a, such a good man and praising him and, and giving him all these compliments. And then he tells Philemon to receive Onesimus back, and this is a key phrase, as a brother. He acknowledges that Onesimus ran away. But what is so important here is how he describes Onesimus as a brother. And he encourages Philemon to receive Onesimus back as a brother. Paul, though he could have, he didn't. And for whatever reason, we can only speculate, but he doesn't demand that Philemon abolish slavery in his household. He could have started out with, how could you keep slaves? You shouldn't do that anymore. You are now a follower of Jesus who treated everyone equally, who in Jesus's very life and actions reached out to those who were poor and impoverished and who were uh, destitute. Jesus lived a life of equality and cared for everyone regardless of who they were. He could have just really, you know, rained down some, some heavy theology based upon Jesus' life and actions, but he didn't. He asked Philemon to change his perspective and to see, Philemon, uh, to see Onesimus as a brother and not as a slave. The very act of slavery and oppression of others, the very act of a power-dominance relationship sees the person that you are dominating as beneath you, below you, or is not human. One of the things that, that Hitler famously did even before he came to power and even before he started his his war against the Jewish people was to dehumanize them, to, to refer to them as second class and not even humans.
And the same thing came out in American slavery as a way to justify the enslavement of humans. Literature came out to try to support this false and ridiculous idea that Africans were somehow inferior to Europeans. Pseudoscientific uh, articles and literature came out to support the preposterous idea that Europeans were, were inferior to Africans and that Africans were essentially one step away from animals. The only way that I can truly, truly oppress and abuse and enslave someone else is, is if somehow in my mind I am able to disconnect that this person isn't really a human. That this person is somehow the other. Unfortunately, this is also what has been used of of fascists over the years, fascist leaders, or anyone who is attempting to create a division in society. It will refer to people that, that they do not like as the other and will typically blame the other for something, for something bad that has happened in society. They are not like us. They are the other. And as the other, they are bad. And yet the very essence of the Christian gospel, of the gospel message that Jesus preached, it had no the other. It had all. We, us, everyone. And Paul, in a subtle way, subtle but not so subtle, in his letter to Philemon, was trying to help Philemon see that Onesimus was not merely an object, was not merely somebody to own or something to own or abuse. He was a brother. And as such, if he is truly a brother, he should be welcomed and treated like a brother. That very powerful one-page letter is not part of the slave Bible. This slave Bible attempted to take a Christian faith, a Christian religion, and use it for its own ends to control and dominate and enslave a race of people. And so some slaves would only hear stories from this Bible or, or and many of them could not read, so would be read stories or passages from this Bible. But what is beautiful and what, what I loved about working with some of my uh, Doctor of Ministry students, especially those who came out of the, the AME Church, the African um, Methodist Episcopal Church, is the story of how Africans those who had been enslaved or who had been able to buy their freedom began to develop 
churches because they weren't welcome in the in the white man's church began to develop their own church and and they began to share the the amazing stories like the story of the exodus like the understanding that even in a time of slavery like in in the first century of the common era that paul would encourage receiving a slave as a brother and that Paul famously said I believe it's in the book of Galatians that there is neither Jew nor Greek male nor female slave nor free for all are one in Christ I haven't checked but I'm pretty sure that that is also not part of the slave Bible Religion has been used throughout the years in an abusive way and it's incredibly sad and heartbreaking because what for those in the Christian faith what we are able to see of this belief system is that the essence of it is truly God's love for humanity all humanity and our belief that we are to love one another as ourselves that there is no us and them that it is a true we all of us everyone that we can find ourselves and our story in this amazing thing we call the Bible and that though it was twisted and that though parts of it were purposefully remo removed that still a society the african-american society the slave the early slaves and those who were eventually freed they were able to find hope in this book that once they began to hear the fullness of this book they found hope and meaning in the suffering and trials and in the freedom and redemption that is seen in the pages of this of this book you know I want to encourage all of us whatever your background whether you come from a particular religion or faith whether you are a Christian or not all of us have a responsibility to to treat each other as as a person as human remember from the first episode the that we are all created in the imago day the image of God that we all have value and meaning that there is no us and them there is we us all of us everyone and that all of us as humans we are in this fight of our lives together all of us are born and all of us will die and all of us will struggle in life to find purpose and meaning all of us all of us will have our own unique set of challenges and difficulties and yet there is a humanity there is a human and soulful and connected part of us that soul part of us 
it connects with each other. And it was meant to connect us to an almighty God who loves each and every one of us and who desires to redeem us and free us. Can we find, can we find a connection in that? Whatever we are doing throughout our days, can we find a connection in each other with that? Can we connect with each other on that level and find meaning and value in that? That's my, that's my encouragement to you. It's my encouragement to myself that though we are different, boy, we are in so many ways the same and we need each other. All of us, everyone. Well, thank you for listening once again to the, the Nefesh podcast. And I look forward to talking with you next time.